الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته I thank the organizers for inviting me may Allah ta'ala bless them in their efforts amen it's going to be quite an effort to keep lifting my head up and looking at you up there um end up maybe with a bit of a stiff neck i don't know i'm not used to this kind of uh, environment may Allah ta'ala accept our broken efforts amen um it is truly an honor to be invited but we also know and understand that there are many people more worthy of standing in this position so inshallah we'll do the best we can with the limited knowledge that we have may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us sincerity in our efforts amen as the topic suggests inshallah improving family ties we saw the opening verse of of surah al-ankabut where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala poses a rhetorical question in other words we don't have to answer it but think about it is something to think about when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says do people think that once they have accepted faith and iman that automatically they will not be tested because of their faith yet Allah ta'ala says no definitely not so we as believers may Allah increase the belief in our hearts amen need to recognize that in every aspect of our lives we're going to be tested anything and everything in life and the test of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should never look at them as an inconvenience or something we don't want rather as a believer when we go through a hardship we should be smiling why because we know Allah ta'ala promised after every hardship there's ease there's something good that Allah wants to give us and the very same with family matters as the topic suggests improving on family ties now we wouldn't be here today having this talk and this topic unless there were some challenges that we face in our families and some alhamdulillah have the ability the skill the the knack or the tact of fixing it resolving it and moving beyond the challenges in their families others struggle to a point where they seek outside help because they don't know what to do so reality may Allah ta'ala guide us ameen uh, reality of the world we live in and we are human beings without a doubt there are times where in our families things work beautifully and there are times in our families where things don't function that well so today we want to look at what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say with regards to family ties and family relations and what does the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say and with that introduction that background we're then going to delve into some of the challenges we face in our families and more importantly how can we resolve those challenges how can we improve those things hence the topic right improving it inshallah so we make dua that we can achieve that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says to us in Allah many places Jumu'ah you would hear this ayah recited at the end of the second khutbah 
What does it mean? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah, verily Allah, that means our Creator, the Sustainer, Ya'mur, is commanding, is ordering us, it's a duty upon us, an obligation, bil adl, that number one, we be just and fair in our dealings. Wal ihsan, and we are righteous in our dealings, good in the way we do things. Wa ita'idhil qurba, and that we give the full rights to dhil qurba, our relatives. So we are actually ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that amongst all the things you do, you should also, or we should also be giving full rights to our relatives. And we're going to look at that a bit further. Another verse, Allah Ta'ala says, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Be righteous, be good towards your parents. وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَةِ Same word, and your relatives. Famous verse we all know, Allah Ta'ala talks about, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهِ Allah has decreed that we worship none but Allah. وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And immediately after that, Allah says that you are kind to your parents. Last one in our introduction, Allah Ta'ala says the beginning of Surah An-Nisa, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ Be conscious of Allah to whom you turn in your mutual decisions and discussions, but also والأرحام, that which is in the womb. So this one, Rahim. You'll always hear people say, Silatu Rahim. That is, that relationship between family members. The word Rahim refers to the womb. So it means that at some point we are relatives to either a grandmother or a great-grandmother or a parent, whatever it is. So Allah Ta'ala uses that word Rahim in the Qur'an. So those are four verses in which clearly we are told that we should be working, may Allah Ta'ala motivate us and guide us, to maintain good relationships with our family members. What are some of the family members? Well, husband and wife, that's a family. Parents and children, that's a family. Relationship between siblings, family. We have cousins and second cousins and third cousins and I don't know how many more beyond that. That's all family. Grandparents, great-grandparents and those who have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. So it could amount to perhaps tens, twenty, hundreds of people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we need to keep good relation with all of them. Now think about it. If you met a fourth cousin of yours uh, that you will hardly meet ever and occasionally you see them, you hear about them and perhaps online we have some contact. It's very rare that we'll find ourselves having some challenge with that person. It's very rare that you'll have some issues between you and that person. Why? Because your meeting is so frequent, at least hardly see each other, infrequent, that the chances of having any issues with that person is very, very slim. So who is it that we have challenging relationships with would be the ones that we are the closest to. The ones that we see every day. The ones that we interact with on a daily basis. And we are going to narrow down our discussion to those relationships, inshallah. Now we can see from the ayat of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to have good relations. The Prophet wasallam did the same, but also mentioned to us the harms of not having good relations. 
or intentionally breaking relations with somebody. The Prophet said, La yadkhulul jannah, a person will not enter jannah, qati'ul rahim, a person that severs relationships. Hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. Another hadith, I'm just going through them quickly because it's just introductory discussion, inshallah. Ar-Rahim mu'allakum bi'ar-Arsh. That family relations holds onto the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, makes a dua actually, man wasalani wasalahu Allah, that he who maintains relations holds onto it, keeps it together, May Allah keep them together. وَمَنْ قَطَعَنِي قَطَعُهُ اللَّهِ And he who severs, may Allah sever them. Sever from what? The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hadith of Bukhari and Muslim. Last hadith in the introduction, inshallah. الرَّاحِمُونَ Allah ta'ala says, the Prophet says at least, يَرْحَمُهُمُ الرَّحْمَانِ Those who keep good relations. And you know also that rahim is also from mercy. So in my interaction with relatives, I'm showing mercy and compassion. الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن Allah Ta'ala shows mercy to them ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء Have mercy on those on earth and the one in the heaven will have mercy upon you Then the Prophet says important for today's discussion الرحم شدنة من الرحمن الرحم is a derivative of the name of الرحمن فَمَنْ وَصَلَهَا وَصَلَهُ اللَّهِ He who maintains and keeps it together. وَصَلَهُ اللَّهِ Allah keeps him connected to his mercy. وَمَنْ قَطَعَهَا قَطَعُهُ اللَّهِ Who is that one who severs relationships? Allah Ta'ala severs him from his mercy. So we find as an introduction, Allah Ta'ala places great emphasis on us having good family relations. The Prophet ﷺ gives a stern warning against those who break family relations. So the one is that we keep good relationships. The other is that we intentionally break it for whatever reason. Either way, that is the either end of the spectrum. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. Ameen. I hope we can realize thus far that family relations is not a small thing. It's a major issue in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We find historically, in the beginning of Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it upon the lips of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he taught the companions certain things. And wherever they went, remembering at that time, perhaps salah wasn't compulsory as an example. Those things came later. But initially, in the beginning, when a few people accepted Islam, when they wanted to propagate Islam, they had to say something. So the Prophet ﷺ taught them a few things to say wherever they go. Whether they're meeting some emperor, some high-ranked person, or just some individual down the road, and they want to talk about Islam, they had a few points. The first two points, and this is recorded in the hadith, the first two points that every time somebody asked the new Muslim about Islam and his practices and the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi they say two things. The first is he taught us that we should only worship one God. That's it. That's the first thing. And the next thing he teaches us, keeping good family relations. Silatul Rahim. Look in the discussions of history and you'll see over and over. So amongst the very first things, that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged his companions to share with others who are finding out about Islam. 
tell them that Islam places strong emphasis on family relations. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen our family relations. Ameen. And grant us relief from any of those challenges. So, I want us to look at now, inshallah. First of all, what are some of the reasons that we find family members don't get along? What are the reasons? And I want everybody to think within your family and your relationships, you know, what happens, what doesn't happen, and you can tell me whether this is right or not. Number one, as I mentioned, generally conflict in family is with people who are living together, spending time together. Distant relatives seldom have conflict. What is the reason for it? Number one, because within family members, there are different personalities. Right? I have four children before, between the four of them, all different personalities. So that's number one, the reason why sometimes we struggle in our family relations because we don't think of things the same. We don't look at things exactly the same. Another reason, sadly, as the Prophet has mentioned it, that sometimes between siblings there's a level of jealousy towards each other. Sometimes between family members and relatives there's jealousy. A hadith of the Prophet the Prophet said, Save yourself and prevent yourself from being greedy. Listen to this hadith, subhanAllah, the Prophet then says, that people before you were destroyed because they had a level of greed in them. The Prophet said, because of greed, it drove them, it ordered them to be stingy and miserly towards others. And they were miserly. The stinginess drove them, ordered them to break relations. They broke relations. He taught them to do extravagant misbehavior or disobedience to Allah, they did it. So we find that in family relations, sometimes jealousy drives us so badly, greed for things, unfortunately it separates between families. You know, as a counselor, a lot of times we deal with family matters. And one of the things that I often deal with is with inheritance. So legally I have to deal with it and Islamically I have to deal with it inheritance. People are fighting over it. Uh, the brothers don't want to give the sisters for whatever reason or vice versa. So what's happening? Is that something happened in that family that they've even forgotten that we are brothers and sisters, blood relatives, and that this inheritance is ordered by Allah to distribute in a particular way. Greed has driven them for the wealth that they've really forsaken or forsook this relationship between brothers and sisters. So it's a reality, may Allah Ta'ala save us from such issues, inshallah, ameen, that jealousy and the like drives us. Number one, parent issues, where parents have problems and it influences or has impact on the children. A divorce and separation, this is reality. Sometimes we think divorce is just between the husband and the wife, and they are the ones impacted by it. The reality is children are impacted the most by divorce. Um, you know, stepbrothers and step-siblings and the new getting into that arrangement affects relationships. Some more, we find um, disability, mental health issues, injury and the like impacts family. 
We have stresses of work and finance and the like. Uh, domestic violence, sadly, may Allah protect all marriages and families from domestic violence reality. We have generational differences. So we find that we as parents come from our home countries with a certain ideology. Our kids, and I don't have grandchildren, but those who have are born in this country, their ideology, their mindset with regards to what it is to be a Muslim is different. And we have this conflict between parent and child or grandparent and grandchild as to what is acceptable behavior, what's not. And we have this conflict between us. Um, and of course, abuse and neglect, neglect and the like. Uh, just a few examples or some reasons why we might find that there is conflict in families. Just want to be mindful of the time. So, the most important part, inshallah, that I want to talk about today is how do we improve the situation? Interesting, in Surah Al-Ankabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, it doesn't directly relate to family, but I found it an uh, interesting parable of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, or a parable made by Allah ta'ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ اتَّخَذَتْ بَيْتًا وَإِنَّ أَوْهَنَ الْبُيُوتِ لَبَيْتُ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ So Allah ta'ala says the parable of those people who take other than Allah as their guardian or for refuge, their awliya, is like the spider that builds their house, if you could say. Ittakhadat bayta. What is the house of a spider? It's just the, the web. It's very flimsy, very weak. Ittakhadat bayta. Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ أَوْهَنَ الْبُيُوتِ لَبَيْتُ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ They're the most flimsy, weakest house Home is that of a spider. Now, awhan or wahan really refers generally to where we have lack of character and lack of strength. So when you look at a house, you want to build it, so the bricks has to be of a certain kind, um, you have a good foundation, and you know that the house will stand for years and years. That's the intention. Whereas a spider, they, you know, cast the, the, or weave their web, but you could just blow it out of the way. You could just use your hand and wipe it away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still refers to it as a home. But Allah ta'ala says the weakest of homes is that of a spider. What do we take from that? That is not the purpose of the verse revealed. It's got nothing related to family. But the interesting word for me is this word house, buyut or houses. That Allah ta'ala refers to the home. That there are going to be certain homes that are very strongly built. And there are, some of them are going to be very weak. A small challenge will blow them over. A little bit of wind will just destroy their home. The same with our relationships within that home. Some relationships are so strong, so well bonded. No matter what difficulty their family goes through, they stand together and they forge through that hardship. And then you get some small issues and we fall apart. The relationship crumbles between family members. So we want to look at, for the remaining time, inshallah, look at how we can improve our relationship. We look at the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, number one. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his relationships, and again, encourage you to read it, inshallah, the Prophet showed commitment in relationship. 
And those that he, for example, Khadija anha, that he was married to, when the Prophet came down from the cave and said, you know what, I had this experience, Zammiluni, please cover me, I'm shivering because of this. Khadija anha, immediately, without hesitation, supported the Prophet She encouraged the Prophet And even there, interestingly, it just popped in my head now, very interestingly, even that moment when Khadija radiallahu anha was trying to comfort the Prophet sallallahu she said, you know, Allah will never forsake you. Allah will never forsake you because you always keep good relations. It's a lengthy hadith and you're good to your neighbors and whatever else she said, but she also mentioned that you're good to your relatives. Subhanallah. So we find in the life of the Prophet sallallahu a great example that even when things were going tough and difficult and the Prophet was under pressure, people were rejecting the Prophet وسلم, persecuting the beginning, the new believers. The Prophet وسلم, supported, encouraged. And you will see even further the Prophet وسلم, continued supporting those even though they were going against him. And we look at that because that's a very important part of our discussion today. The Prophet وسلم, showed uh, patience in his relationship. Patience. Sometimes in our relationships we are too hasty to either say something or be defensive or overpower the person that's trying to tell us something. Whatever our response is, we're too hasty. We don't think beforehand and we end up saying things that we regret. We end up doing things that we can't take back. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. Ameen. We find that the Prophet وسلم, kept relations with those even though they broke relations from the Prophet Beautifully, the Prophet وسلم, says a hadith of Abu Dawud, لَيْسَ الْوَاصِلُ بِالْمُكَافِي you're not a person that maintains good relations if you are just compensating. You're just doing what others are doing. The Prophet says, A person that is really admired for keeping good relations is one When somebody breaks relations with them, they make effort to keep good relations with the person. So in other words, a real testament to somebody's character is when your family is breaking relations. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to interact with you. They're ignoring you for whatever reason. Decided they're not going to talk to you. And then we still make effort to talk to them, keep good relations with them. Um, you know, do whatever we can to keep the bond with them. The Prophet says, that is real family relations. Hence we find that the Prophet says, Inna Allah khalaq al-khalq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created mankind. And when Allah ta'ala created in the beginning Adam and the like, rahim This family relations stood up. Understanding this from the hadith of the Prophet is not physically standing in front of us, but yes, such was the reality. It's a message for us. That family relation stands up and says, This is the moment of refuge. In other words, you've now created these human beings. Chances are they're going to have issues between them. This is the moment to remedy this, to take a refuge from it. Hence, Allah Ta'ala then says, Naam. 
Are you not happy that if they maintain good relations, I will look after them? If they sever relations, I will sever them, the Prophet said. And we look at a few more hadith. I want to spend a few minutes, inshallah, just talking about this concept, this idea of mending relationship with family members who has severed it. It is always easy for us to say, you know what, I tried, they're not interested, so forget about them. I'm not going to bother with them. We can see from the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that he encourages us. No matter what people do, you look at the Prophet wasallam. his own uncles were against him. His uncles were plotting against the Prophet They were trying every way to harm him and hurt him. Some of his uncles, not all of them. Some supported him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, again, read up the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we will see that he maintained relationship. Yes, he was frank and straightforward about the obedience to Allah, and he rejected the worshipping of the idols, and he told them as it is, with no hesitation, but his relationship, he kept good with them. The way he treated them, spoke to them. So the Prophet ﷺ shows us that it's great value to try. So the question a lot of people would ask is, when is it enough? Like I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying, but they're not responding, they're not accepting my invitation to mend this relationship. Well, my answer to that is never give up, inshallah. Never ever give up. Now, there is one one qualifying point I want to make with regards to when we're trying to make relationships. Sometimes what happens is I'm trying to mend a relationship with somebody, so I become forceful in the remedy. So I'm on the case every day. I'm talking to them regularly. I'm insisting on them to, to make this relationship better. That's not going to work. We're actually pushing them further away. No, use what Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran. Use hikmah, wisdom. You know, be smart and strategic about how we remedy that relationship. One way, don't tell them I want to better this relationship. Just buy them a gift and send it to them. Wish them well. Just show. Because the fact that you sent a gift, it means you have a good feeling in your heart for them. Come Eid and you, you send them a message, you know, Eid Mubarak, I, I wish you well on this day. You hear they're not well, you send them a best wishes, you know, may you get well and a dua and the like. In this way, what are we doing? We're showing this individual that we are not harboring hate and dislike for them. So whatever they are feeling on the inside, gradually, inshallah, it will decrease the dislike and whatever it is they have in them. That's one thing. Remember, and secondly, brothers and sisters, that when we have conflict, most times, not always, but most times, there would be some trigger for that conflict. There would be some reason why people are not getting along. So we need to then figure out, have we dealt with the trigger? It could have been something I said to the person. It could have been something I did to the person. Have I remedied that? Have I sought their forgiveness or at least showed them that I'm remorseful of what I said or did? So this is the way we deal with it when we are trying to get closer to somebody who has pushed away from us. We find that the Prophet ﷺ has said, May Allah guide us, Ameen. Ma min dhambin, there is no sin, ajdar, that is more befitting, an yu'ajjilullah, that Allah hastens for a person, al-uqubah. Lisahibihi al-uqubah, that Allah hastens punishment for them fi dunya, on this dunya. 
even though they will still get something in the akhirah, lack, oppression, and breaking family relations. So the Prophet says, there's nothing more befitting that someone should even punish them on this earth for breaking family relations. So me and you, may Allah guide us, Ameen, should be making immense effort, continuous effort to keep good relations with our family. If they break relations, we work towards remedying it, inshallah, Ameen. We find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in many places of the Qur'an, mentions the interaction between family members. For example, just a few I'll mention quickly, in Surah An-Nur, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about when a child grows up, when they, should, when they should take permission to enter the room of their mother or their parents. It's a verse of the Quran. Allah ta'ala talks about when a family member should dress in a particular in front of others. Mentioned. Allah ta'ala talks about eating as family members together, even though it's permitted to eat together or separately. But Allah ta'ala mentions about eating each other's homes and you know, spending time with each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like that in many ayat, discusses this type of etiquette that we have between us. You greet before you enter the house and the like. All of these things Allah ta'ala mentions generally, but they are more befitting to our family relations. So, and this is the last part of the last point I want to make, take a few minutes, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us how we can build our relationship. Think about anybody, not a family member, anybody that you've met for the first time. So you meet somebody for the first time. Let's say a work colleague. So you go and work at a place and it's your first time working there and you get to know the people. The first time we meet someone, we don't instantly develop a like or dislike for them. We don't instantly feel, oh, this is a person I can be a friend with. No, I just meet you, I get to know you. But as the days go by, as we're working together, we get to know each other better. You start realizing, mashallah, in this individual, there are qualities I like, you know, we can get along. And in this way, friendships are developed. Think of any friendship that you have. Friendship doesn't happen overnight, but you realize after 10 years, 20 years of knowing that individual, you feel so bonded to that. But even they're not your family member, you feel connected to them. Same with family members, brothers and sisters, that sometimes, depending on our upbringing, depending on our family environment and situation, we find that between family members, the heart-to-heart -heart connection is not strong. The feelings we have for each other are not strong. I deal with a lot of young people who their parents will tell me, I don't feel connected to my child. My teenager, I feel distant from them. And there are different reasons for it. The point I want to make is that the mere fact that I, we are brother and sister or the mere fact that we are parent and child doesn't mean automatically our hearts will be connected, that we'll have a strong liking and respect for one another. It's not automatic. So if ever it happens that we feel a distance between us and a family member, be it a sibling, a relative, a parent, a child, whatever it is, we need to then intentionally start developing the like for one another. 
Start developing the love for each other. Start developing or increasing the affection that we have for each other. Build the relationship. If we want to remedy family dispute and the like, it's not just about saying, you know, I'm really sorry for what I've done and the next day we carry on like nothing happened. No, we need to regain that love and trust and respect of that individual so we build it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His mercy and grace has shown us in the Qur'an how we can improve relationships. Number one, my brothers and sisters, a necessary part of developing good relations is one of the most simplest, obvious, daily thing that we do. Anybody want to tell me? Because I don't want to be the only one talking for 50 minutes. Can anybody tell me what is the thing that is amongst the best ways to increase love between us? Even before forgiveness. Nice and loud, please. Salam. The Prophet said, if you want to develop love between each other, then afshu salam abaynakum. Increase the greeting of each other. There's a few other things. Invite each other to eat and a whole lot of things and forgiveness included in there. But the Prophet said, increase salam between you. Just think about it, my brothers and sisters. When we reach home, are we saying assalamu alaikum? When we leave the house, are we saying assalamu alaikum? When we meet somebody we know and we love them, do we say assalamu alaikum? When we meet somebody, we don't really like them either, but you know what I mean, we have to survive on this earth together, so uh, do we greet them? Think about it, like what is our nature? Because when two people have conflict, the first thing that is hidden away is greeting. When two people have an issue, the first thing they do is they don't greet. So the person says, you see he's not greeting me. You see she's not greeting me. That means she's still upset about what I did or what I said. So the greeting is usually amongst the first things that gets pushed aside when there's conflict. Yet the Prophet says that's your easiest route to love and affection. Is to greet one another. Why are we talking about greeting? We're talking about assalamu alaikum. It's a dua that we make for each other. Peace be upon you. And if you're extending wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and mercy and blessings, subhanallah, you're making an amazing dua for that individual that perhaps you might be a bit upset with them. Perhaps your relationship is a little bit fractured, but the fact that you're making dua for them and you know it's compulsory right for them to reply. So they have to say, Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So in turn they respond with the same to you. Without a doubt, my brothers and sisters, if you want to remedy relationships, start from there. Start greeting each other. And if they're not responding, greet them again. If they're not responding, you know, not immediately, I mean like maybe five, ten minutes later, greet them again. And if they still not respond, you keep greeting. I guarantee you, if you keep doing it, at some point, out of frustration, they will respond, Wa alaykum assalam. It's out of frustration, I know that, but it's okay. Why? You got a response from them, right? You got them to say something to you. But what it also does is you got them to make dua for you. No doubt. 
It's the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi It will soften the heart of that individual. So, number one, greet each other often. Not only those with conflict, all of us. Because it will maintain the love and respect for one another. We find another one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches in the Quran. Regards to family relations. <coughs> Excuse me. Especially parent and child relationship. We find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that famous verse, which I mentioned earlier, where Allah ta'ala says that it's decreed upon you to have good relations or be respectful to your parents. We know that part. It's a very long verse actually in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Don't ever say uff to him or them. This word uff, in reality, there's no translation for the word. There's no direct translation for the word uff. Why is that? Because this word uff represents any behavior or speech that I use to show that person that I don't approve of what they said or did. Now that can be a sound with your mouth. There are many sounds people make when they don't approve of what you're doing or saying. Or body language, rolling the eyes, turning the face. All of these things are included in this word. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in relation to parent and child, telling the child, no matter what your mother says, no matter what your father says, no matter how they're annoying you, no matter how frustrated you are with their nagging, don't ever, ever, ever respond with oof. Don't ever in your body language or speech show them that you disapprove of what they've said or did. Verse of the Quran. That's the second part. The third part of the very same verse, Allah Ta'ala then says, so the one thing is no oof in your relationship, but then Allah Ta'ala then also says, وَخْفِذْ janah, Lower your wings of mercy. Now we don't have wings on so what does it mean? Show mercy towards your parents. So even though they're annoying you perhaps, even though you're frustrated all the nagging about how you should be cleaning your room and you should be doing this and doing that, and talking to the teenagers in the house, um, the reality is, no matter what, they are still our parents. They're still our relatives. We should have compassion for them even though what they do and say is annoying us. Like you always hear people say, you know, uh, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Uh, it's a good thing and a bad thing. So they say, well, you know, for some people it might mean that if they had a choice, they would not befriend their family. Right? If they had a choice, they would never pick their family member as a friend. But it also means that in reality, family is not like friends. Family is such a close bond, love relationship that you have that no matter how much they annoy us, they're still family. So the next rule, inshallah, may Allah grant us, that the Quran teaches us is that we need to learn to overlook the shortcomings of our relatives. We don't use every little thing about their behavior in what they say, in what they do, to be reason for conflict. Recognize, you know, this is my relative, forget about it, it's okay. This is my brother, my sister, it's okay. So the more we can overlook and forgive, and the more we can 
lower our wings of compassion towards them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will maintain and increase our love for them. Three minutes, inshallah. The last two, inshallah, that we want to talk about, and after that is questions and answers, inshallah. The last two things that we... He's given me two minutes bonus, alhamdulillah. Um, last two things that we find that is most valuable in pay, maintaining good family relations. The first thing we said, <coughs> excuse me, salam for each other. The second one, wings of compassion. Right? The third one, recognize and understand that truly our survival on this world is dependent on family members. And this is no more true than when I arrived in this country 20 years now. Then you realize how valuable family is. And mashallah, we have amazing friends, a lot of you sitting in this room today. Amazing friends. But there's a reality that is certain things in our lives that friends, as beautiful as they are, they, they, they just don't fit. Certain challenges we have in life, only family members can help you through that. Only family members can understand what you're going through. And only family members can physically be there to help you out of it. No matter how good our friends are. But sometimes family members are just what makes us survive. So the reality is, and this is the point I want to make, is that family members number three realize that our mental, physical, emotional well-being is dependent on our relationship with our families. This is reality. If we had good relations with our families, good relations with our parents, with our children, with our siblings, you will find that we function better mentally. We are always in a good mood. We're happy. We function better at work. But as soon as there's a little issue between husband and wife, then we're affected at work. We're affected in our social environment. Uh, we're affected within our family. As soon as there's a little issue between parent and child, the child can't study properly, the parent can't work properly. Between siblings likewise. So the reality is, without a doubt, for our good function, we are in need of good family relations. Absolutely need it. We will not function without good family relations. So it makes a lot of sense to follow the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we build good relations with family. And as I said, it's not going to happen overnight. So take those small steps towards better relationship. The salam, the compassion. But recognize the value of the relationship. So we shouldn't reach a point where we can easily give up the relationship. It should be heartbreaking when we find ourselves at a point of severing relationships. It should hurt us on the inside. And that's only going to happen if we realize the value of the relationship. If we think nothing of it, then we'll just break it, throw the towel in any time. But we have true value for the need to have family members and the need to have a good, healthy relationship with family members and how it positively impacts on our lives. If we fully understand it, then we will be very hesitant to break up. But rather, we will do everything we can to remedy these relationships. And the last one, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our hearts and minds. The best way, and the last one, 
the ones on my list has been mentioned and I put them in that sequence inshallah is that for us to have good family relations and may Allah Ta'ala open our hearts again this is in the Quran when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us and lets us know that many things, many rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stipulated for us, for example, inheritance laws. We find that there are many families, there are legal cases known in Australia, where, as we know, example, I feel I need to explain this just a little bit. We know that in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, يُسِيكُمُ That we have ordered you that with your inheritance, a son will get double of what the daughter gets. In other words, if there's a son and daughter, and the father passes away, and there's a certain amount of wealth that's left for these two children, then the brother will get two-thirds, and the sister gets one third of it. Now, in calculation, that's obviously unfair, right? Like, obviously, I'm like, how, how can that be possible? My maths is really bad, so I'm just going to say 99,000, uh, 33,000 to the sister, 66,000 to the brother. I mean, that's, that's really, no, that's unfair, right? Like I said, the case in Sydney, so the sister went, she took it to court and says, unfair, my father wrote this will and I don't accept it because I won 50-50 with my brother. We're not talking about inheritance today. I'm going to show you an example. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran mentions this to us. And we will then find it's a verse in the Quran and we accept it, it's written there, it's proven, it's a verse of the Quran, it's authentic verse. But yet, you will find when it comes to a moment of inheritance, some might try to find a way to circumvent that rule of the Qur'an. Or they might say, no, 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 we in Australia, there's no Sharia here. Islamic law doesn't apply. Um, so no, no, we go by the local law. The Australian law applies and it's equal. The fourth rule that I want to make got nothing to do with inheritance. The point I want to make is you want good family relations, recognize and realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes imposes on us things that we don't even realize is good for us. We don't even realize the value in it. So Allah Ta'ala says, look, I'm just going to put it on you. You're just going to have to do it because probably you're not going to understand the reason for it, the value in it. And later in life, as we go through it, then we start realizing, subhanAllah, that's why Allah Ta'ala told us to do that. So, just so no one sits there and wonder and wonder, I'm going to tell you, then why is it in the Qur'an that Allah Ta'ala has made it that a man gets two shares and uh, his sister, the brother gets two shares or gets double of the sister? Why is that? Anybody know the reason? Say that again, nice. Thank you so much. So there's a wisdom behind it. And when we know the wisdom, instantly we say, no, that's not unfair. In calculation, it looks unfair, but in reality, it's not. Because, and this has nothing to do with our talk today, I'm so sorry. I'm totally off a tangent here. Um, the beauty of the fiqh and the rules of the Quran is sometimes the laws don't make sense to us, but absolutely there's value in it. So Allah Ta'ala makes it necessary that a brother gets double the share of his sister. Why? Because the wealth that the sister inherits is 100% hers. 
There's no stipulation, no requirement for her to even spend it on her husband. Sorry, husband's in the house. There's no requirement for her to even spend it on her children. Sorry, kids. So when a mother inherits, or a lady inherits, it's 100% hers. She doesn't have to spend it on anybody if she doesn't want to. If she does, it's sadaqah, it's charity on her behalf. Whereas the male, the brother who got double of his sister, he has to spend it on his wife. He has to spend it on his children. He has to spend it on any other relative for whom he is responsible. And what do you mean by have to? According to their need. Right? In other words, we as husbands, our job is to earn the wealth and we are required by Allah to spend it on our family. Put a roof over the head, food on the table, clothing on the body. So when a man inherits, it's not all his. He spends it on his wife, his children, and anybody else whom he's responsible for. So when we look at that, all of a sudden, the rule makes sense, right? All of a sudden, there's wisdom in the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same with every other command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, including this family relation one. As I said, my very first verse, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ Allah ta'ala orders you to have good relations with your family. At some point, we might not fully comprehend and value the family relations. Still do it. And tell yourself, I'm just doing it because Allah told me to do it. I can't comprehend the wisdom in it. I don't see the value in it being good with this relative of mine. But still, do it because Allah has commanded. At some point, its wisdom will become a reality. You'll realize, you'll see the benefits. And if not in this world, then in the year after. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us, all of us here present and those absent, good family relations. Ameen. And if any families are going through any difficulties, any challenges, any hardships in their relationships, may Allah ta'ala remedy it for them, inshallah. Grant that the relationships are way better than what they were. And may Allah ta'ala grant us all the wisdom, inshallah, to look after our relationships. Thank you so much for listening. May Allah to reward you for your time. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta al-sami'u al-alim wa tuba alayna innaka anta al-tawabu al-rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.